We're looking at Psalm 67 this morning, and I want to begin with a question. What are you praying for in 2023? What are the deepest hopes of your heart for this new year? Well, if most of us are honest with ourselves and all uh, external piety aside, if we really look at our hearts, most of us would answer that by saying, I want God to bless me. Or, even more honest, I want to be happy, secure, and satisfied. I want blessings for me. We live in a world that conditions us to think that way, don't we? We live in a world of me. A world that is very focused on the self. And so we enter the new year with questions like, what are my goals? What are my resolutions? And what are the blessings that I can expect for me? You know, I read uh, this uh, statistic. It's quite amazing. I learned this week that every day around the world, around 92 million selfies are taken. Every day. That means, like count this, every second of the day, right? So one second. 1,065 selfies every second. We really are obsessed with ourselves and with seeing more and more of ourselves. But friends, what we need is to see more of God. We need to see more of Him, more of His plans unfolding in our lives and unfolding in the world. Well, brothers and sisters, as we enter the new year this morning, we have the opportunity to do just that. To take our eyes off ourselves. To let the word of God disrupt our self-centered hopes and fill us with a God-centered vision and hope for 2023. Our text this morning is Psalm 67. And this is a song that encourages us to pray for God's blessings on us, on his people. We pray for God's blessings on us so that we would see God's praise in the nations. And as we look at the text, we're going to read it now, but I want to give you the structure of the text very quickly. It's a song. It's a song that they used in congregational worship. The superscription tells you that. Um, and it's structured in three stanzas. All right? Three stanzas. So stanza one is verses one to three. And stanza 2 is verses 4 and 5. Stanza 3 is verses 6 and 7. And you'll notice there the stanzas are broken up by the, the refrain or the chorus. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Which is repeated in verse 3 and verse 5. So let's read this text together. Why don't you read with me uh, as we hear from God this morning. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. 
the earth has yielded its increase god our god shall bless us god shall bless us let all the ends of the earth fear him heavenly father as we come to your word this morning we pray that you would write this on our hearts that you would cause your face to shine upon us through your son jesus christ that we and the nations may be glad in him in jesus name amen so as we look at this text this morning this psalm should fill our hearts brothers and sisters with joy and longing joy in god and a longing for more of him and especially a longing that the nations would share in our joy in this glorious god that the nations would come to share in enjoying him i've already shown you the three stanzas of the psalm as we look through the text we'll see essentially in stanza 1 you have three petitions all right so this psalm we'll see three petitions that we're asking from the lord for us for his people and then across the stanzas we'll see four purposes for the lord's answers for the lord's blessings to us his people so first let's look at three petitions that we are to ask of the lord first we ask for god's grace we ask for his grace did you see that in verse 1 that's how the psalm begins may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us selah that means you should pause and think about that where have you heard those words before may god be gracious to us bless us cause his face to shine upon us well it's the words from the book of numbers numbers chapter 6 which are used as a very familiar benediction these were the words of blessing that god gave his people in his word the high priest aaron was to pronounce this blessing on the congregation of israel the people of god these this this is a blessing promised by god and pronounced over his people and and here the prayer is shaped according to those words of blessing God wants his people to pray for his promises to be fulfilled. The entire prayer, the entire psalm is a prayer for a blessing that God has already pronounced and promised for his people in scripture. And of course the first word of that it all begins with grace. In other words, we're asking for something that we don't deserve. To speak of God's grace to call upon him to be gracious to us is to recognize that this is unmerited we're seeking his unmerited favor which god gives upon us not because we earn it not because we deserve it but because he is the god of grace and we are his beloved people and in his grace he is pleased to forgive us our sins we don't deserve anything from the lord we deserve condemnation because we have sinned and yet god graciously pardons our sins and in his sovereign grace he bestows upon us his loving kindness towards sinners the very fact that we can call upon him that we can come here and meet with him that we can approach him in prayer that we can speak the words of these psalms is pure grace because you see all of us are sinners god is holy he is righteous 
good and perfect in all his ways. He is our creator. You open the Bible and you read that God created all things. He created us to live for him, to worship him and glorify him. But all of us have failed and fallen short of his glory. We have sinned against him. And so we deserve his judgment. But God has been rich in mercy and grace. And by his grace, he sent his only son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life, died upon the cross as a substitute for sinners, taking the penalty of our sins upon himself, so that whoever turns from sin and trusts in him, by grace might be saved. Ephesians says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And maybe you're here this morning and you have never tasted that grace. Maybe you are here this morning and you are still in your sins. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that's you, dear friend, I want to encourage you today. In this new year, you can have eternal life. You can have the forgiveness of sins, pardon for sin and a peace that endures forever. Turn from your sins, trust in Jesus and receive this great glorious gift of grace. First, we ask God for his grace. That's the first petition. Second, we ask for his blessing. We ask for his blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us. You know, it's a very interesting exercise that I've done a few times. It's particularly interesting to do this uh, on December 31st at the end of the year. Uh, I went to the social media uh, website app, Twitter, and I did a search for hashtag blessed. And it's very interesting what you'll see there. Um, I mean, right on top, you have an Indian cricket star with a trophy, India versus Bangladesh, and he says, hashtag blessed. A lot of the posts are actually sports, right? So everyone's bragging about how much they ran in the past year, in 2022, the number of kilometers or miles they finished. And, and there's usually a picture of them, you know, having finished a run, and it's like, hashtag blessed. I ran this much. Uh, it seems like the most blessed people in the world are people who play, play American football. Right? Is every other post, someone, American football, hashtag blessed. And, and then you have, you know, social media celebrities and influencers. There was one particular celebrity whom the post was simply this, I have the best fans, hashtag blessed. The most interesting post that caught my eye was of uh, this picture of a deer, a dead deer, hanging on uh, these hooks. And then next to that, a picture of sausages. And uh, the post said, smoked venison, so good, hashtag blessed. <laughs> well, you know, people speak about being blessed in all kinds of confusing ways, but we have to understand what the Bible means when the Bible speaks of God's blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? And in the biblical story, we see that being blessed means to be in covenant relationship with God and enjoying our relationship with Him. So that it doesn't matter what circumstances we're facing in our lives, if we're in His presence, if we are in relationship with Him, we are truly blessed. And it begins in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? God created this beautiful, paradisical world, perfect 
Lacking in nothing, he created Adam and Eve to live in covenant relationship with him, placed them in the garden, and it says he told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and he blessed them. And of course, Adam and Eve's sin turns that blessing into a curse as they're exiled from the garden. And all of us then are living in this fallen world. But God continues to speak his word of blessing. He enters into covenant relationship with a man named Abraham. And as we see God enter into relationship with Abraham, what does God tell him? Genesis chapter 12, he tells him, I will bless you. And you shall be a blessing and in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That continues as Abraham's family grows with the nation of Israel who become God's covenant people. And again, the key to the blessed life is this covenant relationship that God has with his people where he says to them, this is the heart of the covenant, I will be your God and you shall be my people. And friends, of course, this is most greatly fulfilled in us, in the church the people of God, in and through our Lord Jesus Christ, he fulfills the promise to Abraham and brings the blessing of God to all the families of the earth so that we as the people of God in the new covenant are blessed. And God, Christ does this through his death on the cross. He took upon himself the curse that we deserve so that God's blessing might come to us. Notice Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 and notice the contrast between Blessing and curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Dear friends, through his life, death and resurrection, Jesus has taken away our curse, taking it upon himself on the cross and has brought to us the blessing of covenant relationship with God and enjoying him forever. And we ask for an increased enjoyment of that relationship in this petition. So our first petition was that we ask God for his grace. Second, that we ask for his blessing. And third, we ask for the radiance of his face. We ask for the radiance of his face to shine upon us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So my wife uh, sometimes gets into these moods where she starts redecorating things in the house, rearranging things, and I come home and suddenly everything looks different. And uh, she got into one of those moods a couple of week, weeks ago. And I came home and I entered and I turned to my left and there are all these new pictures on the walls of our family from different seasons of our life. Uh, and uh, right in the center there, there's one picture of yours truly. And it was from my first semester in the PhD program, which means I was very scrawny, I was very tired, but you know, she asked me to look at it and she said, you notice your face is glowing. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah. My face is beaming. There's kind of this shining glow on my face. And I want to say it's not because I'm a handsome guy or something like that. <laughs> I was really tired that day. I was extremely tired. In fact, I hadn't slept. But my face was beaming because of what I'm holding in my arms. See, I was holding 
our little baby girl, my second daughter, Petra, who had just been born. And in that picture, there's all of the joy and, and, and the beaming face of a delight, delighted father who delights, I delighted in my daughter. One pastor says, when we imagine the beaming face of the proudest parent, we get but the smallest glimpse of what it means for the divine face of blessing to shine upon us. You know, the shining of God's face upon his people is the fullness of his glory shining on us in a special way, showing favor upon those whom he has loved, upon whom he has set his love. That was the ultimate blessing of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament. That's the ultimate hope of the Old Testament, to experience the shining of God's face, his blessing in this way. That's the hope of the whole Bible, that one day we will see him face to face and bask in his glory and goodness. And friends, as new covenant Christians, we experience this even now in a way that they never did. We experience the glory of God shining upon us and you know how it comes to us is through the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Hebrews chapter one says, Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers in the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, who is the radiance of his glory, the outshining of his glory, and the exact representation of his nature. We behold the shining face of God in all his glory and goodness in the face of Jesus Christ. And he shines upon us through him. And you know, it's amazing, where does this beholding God's shining face and the shining of his face upon us take place in, in, in a foremost way? We often miss this, right? We think it's just happening here and there. It, yes, God shines his face upon us through all the course of our lives in Christ. But there's a particular experience of the shining face of God in Christ, that we experience even now. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He, he is contrasting life under the old covenant with life under the new covenant in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4. Right? So at the end of chapter 3 verse 18, he says this. He says, we all with unveiled face are beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 3.18. So what he's saying there is that the Holy Spirit works in us as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ to make us partakers, sharers in that glory, making us more and more like Jesus. In chapter 4, he continues to talk about this. Right? So if you come to chapter 4 and uh, verses 3 and 4, he says, For those who are perishing, for non-Christians who don't know Christ, if the gospel is veiled to them, he says, verse 4, The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing, notice what they don't see, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Again in verse 6, look what he says. God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the shining face of God in Christ comes to us, how? And you'll notice what Paul is talking about in chapters 3 and 4 there, is through the ministry of God's word. Specifically, God's word preached. 
You saw what he said in verse 6. Now look at verse 5. He says, for what we proclaim, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He, he says in verse three, we have, uh, verse 2, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by open statement, declaration of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, brothers and sisters, as you encounter God in and through his preached word, as Christ is proclaimed, as the gospel is proclaimed from the scriptures, God's face is shining upon you in all his glory. It's in the preached word and in the written word as you read God's word guided by the Holy Spirit and encounter Christ in its pages, in his word, his face shines upon us. Don't we want more of that in our lives? Don't we want to ask for more of that in our lives this year? Brothers and sisters, I don't know what 2023 will bring. I don't know what this new year is going to look like for you. I'm not one of those guys who's going to send you a number of WhatsApps saying Happy New Year. Success is promised. New job, prosperity is promised. This year is going to be better than the last. I don't know. I don't know what it will look like for us individually. I don't know what it will look like for us as a church. I, just, I remember, it just feels like yesterday, 2019, December 31st, New Year's Eve service. We're all here, very excited and hopeful about 2020. And then we all know what happened after that. I don't know what this year will bring. Hopefully it's spiritually better than the last for you. I do know this. We need the Lord. We need the Lord. You need the Lord. We need to know Him. We need to enjoy Him. We need to see Him. We need His face to shine upon us. And oh, how we need to seek Him. We need His grace. We need His blessing. We need the brightness of the glory of his face in our lives. And brothers and sisters, a psalm like this encourages us to seek after it in his word and to seek after more of him in prayer. To keep praying and asking, God, I want to enjoy you more. I want more of you. And not just for us as individuals. Did you notice it's a corporate prayer? It's the prayer of God's people. We seek it for us as a church. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That's the prayers of a church. We should all be praying this together. And, and I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, make this one of your New Year's resolutions. Make this a commitment that every second Sunday you will gather together, that we will gather together as God's people as the church, to seek him with prayers like this, to ask for his blessing upon us, his family, to ask that he will shine his face upon us, and then to enjoy him as we watch him answer. But you see that blessing doesn't cease, doesn't stop with us. God doesn't just bless his people just for our own sake. 
nor do we seek the joy of his blessing just for ourselves. No, when we get a glimpse of the glory, the greatness, the majesty, the magnificent magnificence of our great God, we begin to grow in a desire, our hearts begin to explode with joy and with a desire for others to behold this glory. We want others to share in this blessing, the blessings that he showers upon us. We want others to enjoy him. The blessing of knowing God is so glorious, so overflowing with joy that we want others to experience it. And our God is so beautiful. He is so majestic and so worthy of praise that we should want his praise to be sounded to the ends of the earth. We should want his glory to be known to the ends of the earth. Why do we want to be blessed? Why are we seeking God to pour out his grace, his blessing, to show us his glory? Friends, it's so that the nations would know God's blessings come upon us so that his blessing might flow beyond us. And as Charles Spurgeon said, as the streams from the mountains run down into the valleys, so also God's blessings come upon his church so that they may flow to the world. So we've seen three petitions that we ask from God for us as his people, his grace, his blessing, the radiance of his face. Now we look at four purposes of God's blessing to us. Four purposes for why he blesses us. First is so that God's salvation might be known. That his salvation might be known. Did you see there uh, in the first stanza in verses 1 and 2? Notice the logic. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that, verse 2, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Remember God's promise to Abraham. I will bless you. And you shall be a blessing, and in you all families, all nations of the earth will be blessed. That promise is fulfilled in and through our Lord Jesus Christ, in his church. God has blessed us through Christ, so that through us all the nations of the earth might be blessed. And that promise will be ultimately fulfilled. When we come to the book of Revelation, we see every tribe and tongue and nation gathered around the throne of God, worshipping the Lamb. For what he has done. It's fulfilled in Christ and his church. And friends, so we ought to channel that blessing to the ends of the earth. The, the cry of the psalmist is that the way of God, the way of Yahweh might be known on the earth. That his salvation, his saving power by which he draws sinners out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Raises sinners from the dead into eternal life. That that salvation might be known among those who have never heard and have never known and have never seen. You know it's a very sobering thing when we come to the end of one year and begin another year. To think about this. That every year 55.3 million people die. That means 105 people die every minute. And 6 billion, 6 billion people 
on planet earth right now have no saving knowledge of the true and living God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, over a billion of those people are in places and contexts where Christ is not named at all. Where there is no church, there is no gospel proclamation, where they cannot know. Well, the reasons for God's blessings upon us, ECC, is so that they might know. They might know that the Son of God has come to redeem sinners from every tribe and tongue and nation. And so this ought to be our purpose, that we ought to pray for the nations to know God, that we ought to give towards this end, that the gospel may go forth, that we ought to send workers who will preach Christ across the inhabited world. We pray and give and send and we go, that we might go as ambassadors of this gospel. And and it's one of my prayers for this church over the years, not just that we would send you out to your home context or your home language that you would preach the gospel there, but that God would raise up from this church men and women who will be missionaries, that God would call some of you, maybe even some of you sitting here today, to go cross-culturally into a new frontier context where Christ is not named and preach the gospel that his salvation might be known. That's purpose one, that God's salvation might be known. Purpose number two, that God's righteousness might be enjoyed. This is a purpose of God's blessing upon his people, that his righteousness might be enjoyed. Look at verse four. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. So many people around the world live under the oppression of injustice. Many of you have in your home countries or in your lives encountered the pain and the joy-sucking, life-killing struggle of injustice. This world, that's life in a fallen world. We live in a world marked by injustice, oppression, Unrighteous judges who pervert justice, who acquit the guilty and condemn the innocent. Well, the Lord rules in righteousness. His kingdom is marked by perfect equity. And he will judge, he will sit one day as a righteous judge who will make all things right. He will judge with perfect righteousness. And dear friends, the knowledge of this God, this perfect judge, is a source of infinite joy. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for we know that God will set all things right, that the scales will not be imbalanced that he will judge righteously and bring justice and peace upon the earth. And he will guide the nations to live in his righteousness. 
God blesses us so that the nations may know him and enjoy him in that way, that his salvation might be known, that his righteousness, his justice might be enjoyed. Third, we are blessed so that God's goodness might be feared, that his goodness might be feared. Notice verses 6 and 7, stanza 3. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And, and it's pretty amazing. It's kind of a strange collocation, right? Strange grouping of ideas. You, it might seem strange to our minds because on the one hand, he's talking about God's goodness, his overflowing grace, his blessing upon us. And on the other hand, he's saying, let therefore all the ends of the earth fear him. God's goodness leads us to fear him, to rightly fear him. You see, when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, friends, sometimes we associate fear with some kind of a negative emotion or negative affection in our minds. We think that fear is something to be avoided. But what the Bible commends to us is not the, to avoid fear entirely, but to put our fear in the right place, to fear God. And when we come to God as our Savior, as the one who has saved us in Christ, to fear Him doesn't mean that we come before Him with some kind of terror. No, it's the, the fear of the Lord is talking about a thrilling overwhelming, beautiful fear. Uh, it's joy to the highest degree that comes from knowing this God in the fullness of his glory. It's kind of like, imagine if you're, uh, you know, maybe some of you have been on high mountain peaks and you're looking out from the edge over a vast expanse and your jaw just drops and there's this kind of trembling that happens and, you, and your hands grow cold and this chilling, thrilling fear inside. That's just a small glimpse of the kind of fear that we ought to have before the goodness and grace and magnificence of our great God that we fall before him with rejoicing, with trembling, with trembling in our hearts, knowing him in the fullness of his glory, for there is none like him. There is none like our God. And as Michael Reeves says, true fear of God comes from true love for God in the full revelation of his glory and majesty. And oh, that we would summon the nations into this fear of our God. Into this kind of joy that no one can give except him. Did you notice he's talking there about the harvest, right? This was an agrarian society. Uh, the harvest was very important to them because it meant food for the coming year. And he speaks of it as if it's already happened. He says, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. And looking at that, we might be tempted to think that this is teaching some kind of a prosperity, health, wealth gospel, that it's only speaking of material blessings, and material blessings are insured for believers. And I want to say that's, that's not what it's saying. It's, it's speaking of, on the one hand, the reversal of the curse. Because you remember, if you go back to Genesis 3, that when Adam and Eve sinned, the ground was cursed. And the very fact that there is provision here and a harvest that is expected, a full harvest, is a sign of God's kindness and blessing. That the curse is being reversed in the lives of his people. And yes, God provides us abundantly with spiritual blessings, 
and material blessings, but the overwhelming concern in this psalm is not merely for material blessing. No, what matters most to this songwriter in this text is not our need of a harvest, but the fact that that harvest, that physical blessing, should be channeled into a desire for man's need of God himself. Right? Notice the text again and again. O Lord, let your way be known. Let your salvation be known. Let praise arise to you from all the peoples. Let joy overflow from the hearts of the nations. Show yourself a righteous judge and a powerful guide. As one person says, the pervasive concern for the nations is that they would know and praise and enjoy and fear the true God, God himself. And this psalmist sees the harvest coming as the, the purpose for that being that the nations would praise God. And so it ought to be with us, with all the material blessings that God pours out in our lives, that we would want for it to be used and channeled into the nations knowing him, into his word going forth. That's why we give for the work of the gospel. So we've seen three purposes, that God's salvation might be known, that his righteousness might be enjoyed, that his goodness might be feared, and then finally, that God's glory might be praised. That God's glory might be praised. That's the overwhelming thrust and repeated refrain of this psalm, isn't it? That's the chorus of the song. Did you see verse 3? Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And again in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Our desire is to see the God who is all worthy of praise receive the praise of which he is worthy. As the old poem goes, God of mercy, God of grace, show the brightness of thy face. Shine upon us, Savior, shine. Fill thy church with light divine. And you know, it's when we as God's church, as the people of God are filled with joy and praise, when we are alight with the divine light, ruled and guided by him, that his ways and his salvation will be known among the peoples around. ECC, God, our God, has blessed us as a church. We're privileged here with freedom of worship. We've been blessed with a church building and a worship center in the heart of the city, here in the capital city of the United Arab Emirates, right in the heart of the Middle East. We've been blessed with a 50-year heritage of faithfulness to the Word of God. We've been blessed with a congregation from the nations who are filled with joy in God. We've been blessed with immense resources far beyond what we can think. And let's begin 2023 praying that he continues to bless us, show his grace to us, shine his face upon us, so that the ends of the earth may know him, praise him, enjoy him, and fear him in 2023 and beyond. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your glorious grace to us in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be the desire of our hearts this year, that we would call upon you to be gracious to us, bless us, that you would shine your face upon us as a church, that the prayer meetings would be overflowing, 
And Father, above all, that your glory as a result might go forth to the ends of the earth, that they may fear you. In Jesus' name, amen.